Today is Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Another wave of hostages have been released. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can email us as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts on whatever it is you'd like to pontificate about to us. Quick Start Podcast at CBN. Dot org. Joining me now to get through the news with Cray, Trey Gons Philip, Billy Hallowell on this hump day. Gentlemen, what's going on? Well, we're here and we're ready to go. It's another day. <laughs> what a good word to start off the day, too, Billy, uh, Dan. Pontificate. Yes. That's a, a 50 set word, I think, look, on this Wednesday morning. Triumvirate, yeah. pontificate. It's a, it's in the Hall of Fame <laughs> of Andros' words used to start yeah. the show. So yeah, I don't have enough coffee to process that word right now. But. <laughs> well, we got a lot to get through. Let's let's go ahead and kick off and get to it. What do, what do we have coming up on the focus story today? Yeah, so we're going to talk about a professor in the UK. He's a Christian professor who was fired from his job over something he tweeted, and now he's firing back at the school. So we'll talk about the details on that. It's an interesting story. All right. Looking forward to that conversation. Also on the main thing, CBN's Wendy Griffith caught up with Joe Manchin, who kind of made a surprising uh, announcement and resigning from the Senate. Of course, he's always been a pivotal figure um, because uh, of where he's from in West Virginia and the fact that he's a Democrat, but kind of more in the middle of the road on some of the issues. But anyway, uh, he caught, she caught up with him to talk about his future plans, maybe potentially even running for president. So all those things are coming up on the podcast and more. But first, we go through the news in 90 seconds. The International Red Cross, they've taken custody of 12 hostages who were released by Hamas yesterday. The IDF says 10 of the hostages are Israeli citizens. The other two are foreigners. Didn't say where they were from. The announcement, this is the fifth group of hostages released by Hamas since they agreed to a ceasefire on Friday. It's expected to go through the end of the day today. And the Red Cross said that a short while ago, um, 12 hostages were transferred to Egypt. And the released hostages convoy is currently making its way through Egypt to the meeting point with our soldiers uh, there. And the IDF says a number of soldiers were lightly hurt after being attacked by Hamas in the northern Gaza Strip in what appears to be a violation of the ceasefire agreement. According to the IDF, three explosive devices were detonated near forces at two locations. The IDF said both times they were within agreed upon ceasefire lines. And the father of Irish-Israeli girl Emily Hand says she survived nearly two months in captivity by, uh, by Hamas, at the hands of Hamas, by running from house to house in Gaza trying to escape falling missiles. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out more stories over at CBNNews.com. Guys, uh, Emily's father was speaking out and man, the details are just about as horrific as you'd think. Didn't get a ton to eat. They were told to be, she only speaks in whispers now. She's nine. And she only speaks in whispers now because as they were being dragged and pushed under gunfire and missile fire from place to place as the terrorists were trying to hide, she says that they told her to try not to make noise. They were only allowed to draw and play cards and they were told not to make any noise. 
And I, I just cannot even imagine at any age, let alone nine years old, trying to deal with that. It's just, it's just the details. It's just more and more stunning every time they come out. Yeah. And, and you think these are, these are events that stay with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. The things you've seen, the things you've experienced, especially when you're that age and it's so formative for an adult, it would be impossible to process. I can't imagine being a child trying to comprehend what has unfolded, it's going to take a long time to get to a place, I think, of, of peace and recovery, probably. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a, it's a heartbreaking story all around. I mean, praise God for those who have been released. Uh, they've been released. But yeah, I think, as, as you said, Billy, the work is going to continue to have to be done. I think that's the, the scary part is we don't know what the repercussions are going to be for the kids, especially. But anybody who's been held hostage is uh, psychologically, how do you overcome that? I think through Christ alone really is the only way yeah. that we can fully overcome it. But I, I hope it, they also get the counseling and all the, you know, all the psychological help they need because it's going to take a long time, I think. Yeah. By the grace of God, therefore go I. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the only way you're going to be able to put one foot in front of the others with trusting yeah. in God and um, being able, honestly, forgiveness is a key component of this, right? Otherwise you're going to harbor bitterness. Um, it's just something that only, God can provide on that front. So we need to be praying for all those people who are dealing with that trauma over there from this terrorist attack. All right, we're going to head over to the focus story now. And a professor is filing a lawsuit against his former college. So Trey, what's going on here? Yeah, so his name is Aaron Edwards. We actually spoke to him uh, a while back in, in the spring. It was in March when he was fired from his position at Cliff College in Derbyshire, uh, England. Uh, so he initially posted a tweet on biblical sexuality, uh, and this is what he wrote. He wrote, uh, actually, he was fired in, in, in March, but he wrote this in February. He said, homosexuality is invading the church. Evangelicals no longer see the severity of this because they're busy apologizing for their apparently barbaric homophobia, whether or not it's true. This is a gospel issue, by the way. If sin is no longer sin, we no longer need a savior. Uh, and pretty much immediately, he was kind of thrown into the fire uh, with the college. He was put under investigation. There was a lot of, of inner working done to you know, with departments at uh, at Cliff College to see, okay, how do we how do we ultimately discipline? Uh, Aaron Edwards for this tweet because, as the school said, allegedly uh, it put their name in quote disrepute. Uh, so they wanted to to discipline uh, or give consequences in some way uh, to Aaron Edwards, and ultimately they just made the decision altogether to eliminate his position. So he was terminated, like initially suspended, ultimately terminated from his position at Cliff College. Uh, and right then, when he was fired, he told us that that was just a, an emotionally incredibly stressful time for him and his wife. They have young kids, and dealing with that was really really difficult obviously not something that they saw coming, particularly given he's a theology professor at a Christian institution, uh, and he was fired for posting a tweet that addressed sexuality from a biblical perspective. That is crazy. And what did, what did he, I mean, what did he originally tweet in the first place? I mean, given the, it, the, given the uh, institution he's at, it shouldn't be offensive, you'd think, but what did he originally tweet? 
Yeah, so like I said, he tweeted that homosexuality is invading the church, and the motive for his tweet was he said the church, essentially Christians in a lot of popular culture, uh, not necessarily for bad reasons. People are wanting to be compassionate. They're wanting to, to be understanding, and they want to be generous. But he said because the pendulum has swung so far. He said there are so many Christians who are leaning so heavily on grace that they're kind of abusing grace. They're not acknowledging, look, there's grace for you and that you can come as you are. but you're not supposed to stay as you are, right? The conviction of the Holy Spirit should change your behavior. So if you enter into a church identifying as homosexual or seeing homosexuality as uh, all well and good, ultimately the conviction of the Holy Spirit should change that perspective. And we as believers within a Christian community should hold one another accountable to that. And that was really all he was saying is, is we've gotten to a dangerous, pla- dangerous place as a Christian culture in that instead of, of saying, yes, there's grace for you, but then you have to change because you have to align yourself with what the Lord commands of us. There are too many people who are letting that slide. Like you can come in, you can live however you want to want to live. And homosexuality was just the he's there. There are many issues that that's happening on, but homosexuality and sexual identity obviously is a huge one. So that was the most obvious one that he saw, and he wanted to address it as like if you're going to be a Christian then you need to adhere to what the Bible says about sexuality, and that includes homosexuality. And he said the church should be compassionate, but we shouldn't be giving giving ground up uh, on what we convictionally believe from Scripture. Yeah, I mean, this seems to be one of those cases where you take something that's a truth, right, that God's grace forgives all of our sin, but if you apply it too far, I mean, in Romans, Paul says that we should— he asks the questions, well, should we just go on sinning, therefore? And he answers it and says, no, of course not. And so some people just dive all into that to, to grace, which is great. But like you said, if you take it too far, well, now it just kind of gives you a license to sin, right? Well, I've got grace. I've got my hell insurance. So whatever. No, it's it's definitely more layered than that, the Christian yeah. walk, right? Like, yes, you are forgiven for that, but also, yes, you need to have sanctification and you need to be growing and you need to be walking closer to the Lord and becoming more Christ-like. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, the the larger context that I, I think we should acknowledge is and this is happening within the, the United Methodist Church here in the United yeah. States, too. But in the Methodist Church in Britain, they voted in June of 2021 to allow same-sex marriages within any of their places of worship, uh, which obviously he disagrees with. And he's been speaking out against that for a while now. And I think it just came to a head in his personal life. And he wanted to use his platform uh, to address it. And then this just, I think, paints a picture of how biased the college was against him uh, really from the start is uh, the principal of Cliff College, Reverend Ashley Cooper. uh, She supported the decision in 2021 by uh, the Methodist Church in Britain to allow same-sex marriages within their churches. And who other than her was the one to preside over the disciplinary hearings against Edwards? So it was like the the decision was made from, uh, you know, before any hearing or any arguments were made, Edwards was kind of, uh, his hands were, were fit to be tied. He was backed into a corner. He was likely going to be uh, going to be fired because the very person presiding over all of this 
was very clear in, in what she thought yeah. about his views uh, from the start. So, but I, I think something interesting that he said in March when I talked to him uh, is he said, I stand by what I wrote. And in fact, even though the school told him to, to delete the tweet, the tweet is still up to this day. Uh, and he, he said the motives are clearly world affirming, talking about why the church has shifted dangerously away from theology. He said, that's why I find, that's what I find particularly abhorrent about this situation is that what so often the church is teaching in the name of compassion is really dangerous because it's leading non-believers to believe something that's not true about Christianity. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And look, I know this is in the UK, but you'd be naive to think that this sort of thing, A, isn't already happening here, and B, isn't going to happen here more in the future. I mean, do you guys get that sense as we look at just the lay of the land and how basic Christian beliefs like man and a woman in marriage are being challenged right now? Do you, do you not see, how do you see that friction going forward in places like colleges and universities and, and elsewhere? Yeah, well, you know, I think a lot of people are alarmed watching the numbers dwindle of people saying they're Christians, right? Yeah. It's okay, fine. I want everybody to be a Christian, a legitimate one. But if you're going to see those numbers dwindle, at the very least, you would hope that people would still understand the First Amendment and freedom. What's happening is those numbers are dwindling and people are not understanding freedom and what it stands for. And so, yeah, you're in a really precarious situation where the legalities are starting to become something that we have to look at, right? A football coach having to go to the Supreme Court to be able to pray on the 50-yard line, I think the alarm bell should be going off that this is something that is not going to be affected on this issue, but I think a lot of other issues as well. Yeah, for sure. I I think it's... Unfortunately, what often happens in Europe or in Canada uh, is soon visited upon the United States. I don't think we're too far away from this. And like we've said, some of this is already happening. I mean, this debate about sexuality has already been happening for years within several denominations, including the UMC here in the United States. So in many ways, I don't think that this is a harbinger of what's to come. I think it's indicative of what's already here in the United States and in Europe. Yeah, well said. All right. Appreciate you bringing that one to the podcast today. Trey, all right, that's going to lead us over to the main thing now. And Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, made a relatively surprise announcement that he would not be seeking re-election. So that's leaving some to wonder, maybe he'll run for president. What are his plans? CBN's Wendy Griffith caught up with Joe Manchin and had a discussion about that and more for today's main thing. And CBN's Gordon Robertson has the intro. Well, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin surprised everyone, the entire country, when he announced he's not running for re-election in 2024. The move has some speculating that he plans to run for president. CBN's Wendy Griffith sat down with Senator Manchin to ask him that very question. After announcing he won't seek re-election next year, The biggest question facing moderate Democrat Senator Joe Manchin is... Senator, are you running for president in 2024? You know, those questions have been asked to me so many times, and me not running for Senate has nothing to do with where I think this country should be going. It gives me the time now to go out and see if there's enough other people in America, whether it's me, whether it's someone else. What do you say to the Democrats that, that say that you take votes away from Joe Biden? I, I don't see that at all. There's no there's no historical facts on that. If that was the case, then how can they say that Ross Perot 
really elected Bill Clinton. Yeah. You follow me? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever uh, how this is going to go. I've never been a spoiler. If I don't think there's a pathway for it, I would not run. And I would not encourage anyone else to be involved. But if we can force the political parties to look differently than what they're looking right now and how they represent the country, if we can force them to look at it and say, listen, we have gotten too far. We've gotten too extreme. While Manchin isn't ready to show his cards, he did tell us of plans to tour the country and hopefully create a movement that invites people back to the political middle. You know, what, what does that look like? It's just going to be the will of the people. Do they want, a, 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 do they want a, 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 an option? You know, do they, are they happy with what you have? Is it going to go the way we think it's going to go? We don't know yet. Maybe it won't be Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Maybe it'll be two other people. And right now, 60 to 70 percent of the people on both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, aren't happy with the selection they think they'll be given. Seeing if you can tap into the people that feel exactly like I do. I hear from them all over the country. Everywhere I go, please do this. Even some Republicans say they'll be sad to see Manchin go. Minority leader Senator Mitch McConnell praised him for saving the institution when he voted to protect the Senate filibuster. And Senator Chuck Grassley agrees, saying we need more politicians who won't just toe the party line. On energy, Manchin has a reputation for protecting fossil fuels and even gas stoves. The energy, that it's not so much protecting, it's just making them realize common sense. First of all, the gas stove. Can you imagine? It made no sense at all to go over and say you're going to attack that because of, you know, pollution. We have, we have reduced our emissions in our country, in the United States of America, more than most any country in the last two decades. Ninety percent of all pollution is going to come from one continent, Asia. And with China and India, they're not going to follow suit if they're trying to meet the demands of their economies and the growth of their nation. They're both well over a billion people in each one of the countries. You're a Catholic. How has your faith guided you as senator and now uh, as possibly running for president? Well, whatever, whatever you do in life, your faith never leaves you. <laughs> I hope not. You know, you, I always say that you are who you are by where you were raised, how you were raised, and who raised you. And I had loving, I had a loving family. I was, I was said I was a privileged child. Not, not the material things. It was, I wasn't privileged to material things. I was privileged because I had unconditional love, and the love of God. And basically, the church was a big part of our life. So, with that being said, but I looked at all religions and, and all of my friends, you know, and and uh, we used to worship together and go back and forth. And then when I became governor, we used to have prayer services in my office, denominational, interdenominational, all of them. When you were governor. Yeah. I have, I have from the rabbi to the uh, imams, to the priest, to the, uh, to the Pentecostal, to the bishop. They used to come in all the time. We, we, it was just wonderful. If there was ever a chance a third-party candidate could have a real shot at the White House, Senator Manchin says it could be now. Maybe the time is right. Is it now or never? Yeah, you just have to see. I don't think there's ever been a time like this in the political posturing that we have in our, in our country or the political procedures that we have and how we have to do things. And with that, I think that if there was ever going to be a time for a, an individual to run, not on either of the major parties, this would be the time. So we have to see if you're going to be able to build that type of a force. In the meantime, Manchin still has 13 months left as United States Senator and says he's planning to make it count. Wendy Griffith, CBN News, Washington. Well, I think uh, 
reading between the lines there, guys. And thank you, Wendy, for that great interview with Senator Manchin. I mean, he's running. That's what I'm basically going to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, no, it I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I just like to say that. It's just a fun thing to say. He's running. Yep, he's going. But uh, it, I mean, it certainly seems like he's open to it. I mean, maybe he'll be waiting to see what <clears throat> kind of the winds are blowing on the ground as far as if it's favorable for him or not. But it certainly seems like he's open to it. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Wendy, for that. Appreciate it. That's going to leave us here with time for one last thing on the podcast today. So John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Obviously a well-known verse, but the reminder from Jesus that he has overcome all of the things that we panic about, worry about, and live in fear of, he has overcome them. Yeah, for sure. It's a, I think that's a great reminder to refocus us in the midst of some pretty stressful things. Yeah, no doubt about it as the world, like we said, news of the cray every day, but Jesus has overcome the world. So walk with confidence, Christian, because Christ has gone before you. So, all right, that is where we are going to leave it for today. Thanks so much for being here as always. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise, we shall return tomorrow with more. Friday Junior, up next. God bless. See you then.